on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. If you're an entrepreneur and you want to become a six-figure or a seven-figure earner, you already are going to have to do what the average person won't. You yeah. know, I think that's really what it boils down to. It's What's good. up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf. I've got Brandon Rooks on the King stage today. They also call him Mr. Rockstar. So, Rockstar, how you doing today, brother? I'm doing fantastic. How you doing, Chaz? You know, I'm well. I have enjoyed our few minutes already. You know, the listener didn't get to partake in our little sales conversation there, but dude, I am jacked for for this conversation because we align already so much on on relationship and sales mindset and all that kind of fun stuff. So, tell us what kind of business that you're in. I actually am an owner or partner in eight companies. Love uh, it. I have four real estate lending funds. I have a real estate investment consulting firm. I'm also a licensed real estate agent. I deal specifically in just build to rent, development sales. And I did own three restaurants. I now own two. We'll talk about that later. That's good. Which That's I good. Own none. <laughs> yeah. You know, that seems to be a common theme. I've had a couple of restaurant guys and, and I've been in that space myself. So before we jump into the story, tell me. I mean, you got a lot going on, bro. You, you're, you're pushing and shoving. You're doing a lot of volume, a lot of money passing through your hands. Why are you still at it? You know, I'd rather be busy than bored, for one. And I'm building a legacy in a family office type business that'll take care of all of my family for years to come and long after I'm gone. You know, it's, it's not just yeah. with the money, but opportunities that I'm trying to continue on what I started so that they have something that helps them down the road. Yeah. Hundred percent. Have you always had that mindset and perspective, or has that grown over your success? That grown. You start to go through your years and your twenties. It's all about you, right? And then, of yeah. course, you get married, and next thing you know, you have four kids when you didn't want any, and uh, you're like, "Well, crap!" I got people that rely on me. So you know, yeah. every decade, everything it just kind of changes a little bit. I've yeah. always been somebody that you know, from a young age, just I had to be working. You know, I yeah. I grew up poor and a great family, lots of work ethic. And I'm pretty sure my parents never took a government handout. But I mean, there were times when we were told we were only allowed to use four squares of toilet paper to wipe yeah. our butt. You know, we yeah. were poor. If we wanted something, I had to go out and work for it. So I mowed lawns, shoveled driveways. I went and picked wild berries so that we could have jelly and jam and pies. We'd have crawfish and morels and lived out in the country. Yep. And, uh, you know, it was just, it probably from about the age of eight or nine, I started just, if I wanted Nikes like my friends had, yep. or I wanted a bicycle, a nicer bicycle, not the $30 special from Walmart, right. then I had to go out and earn the money. And uh, so I learned hard work ethic from my parents. And then I, I just kind of naturally acclimated to sales. And, uh, you know, I even sold door to door at like eight or nine years old with a catalog, you know, that I yep. earned these like a, a tent or a, an inflatable raft door. Yep. But, uh, you know, things like that. When I had a lemonade stand, I had comics and cookies with it. So That's right. That's right. I've had that work mentality pretty much since childhood. Yeah. And nothing's changed. What's changed is, you know, the businesses. And I really need to learn to say no. I have so many people like, oh, I want to go into business with you. I'm like, okay, cash. I shouldn't have done that. Now, now I have eight companies, right? For the most part, I am the principal in all of them. And I kind of have minority partners or general partners. But uh, yeah. I'm, I don't want to get too far off. No, it's face. good, brother. You've given quite a bit of perspective, especially from the way that you grew up. I relate to that. I think a lot of entrepreneurs naturally fall into sales potentially first or even just doing their own thing because, man, didn't have anything. And if I wanted something, had to go get it. And so that just natural, like, let me figure it out. I got to go take care of myself 
is very entrepreneurial. And so I think that that's the seed that's planted in, in a lot of us for sure. Do you think that kind of getting into some of the, as you started to grow, you were in sales for a while. I'm curious to know, like what, what took you from a place of I'll work for somebody else and sell? Cause I mean, for the listener, you don't have the benefit of this, but he's got trophies behind him, plaques. We were talking about all the things that he's done for other companies and been the top sales guy for, for everything he's ever done. My question to you, Brandon, is when did that transition to now I'm going to do it for myself? Well, as a straight commission salesperson, you're always really doing it for yourself, even if you're right. selling under somebody else's company. Yeah. And I was perfectly fine with that. You know, I was making a good income. Let me give you a little backlog. So I came out of the Navy in 1992. I'm a six-year decorated Navy storm, desert storm, war veteran. Yeah, thank you for and, your service. Uh, yeah, you bet. And it, all the men in my family going back did it. That ended with me. My two sons didn't go. One of them is a singer-songwriter. Actually, has a bunch of tracks out on Spotify and Apple. And That's cool. He's worked with people like Tech 9 and T-Pain. He's a, a white rapper, hip-hop, pop singer. There you go. And I love Kez, it. Let me go ahead and just plug him. Kez, K-E-Z-Z. You can okay. find him all over Spotify and Apple. But uh, anyway, so along, along the way, you were talking about working for yourself, yeah. even though you were, you know, a, a 1099 or full, full commission salesperson. Yeah. And, and what happened is, you know, once I moved over into the mortgage industry in 2000, yeah. then I was a loan officer and I was working under a, a lending institution or a lending group in Kansas City. And then I was headhunted over into the real estate industry in 2007 because I had a group that had some investment properties they want to sell. And most of the loans that I did, I did for investment buyers. Sure. I charged a point and a half on the front and they were like, oh, you're charging a point and a half. I'm like, yeah, but I'm giving you a par rate. So I was beating every lender in the country by an average of 1% at the time on their mortgages. And then I would show them, wow. look how many thousands of dollars this will save you on your rental property, which is more money in your pocket. So right. always value add. I always wanted to offer something that was better than anybody else offered in the industry. And then I beat everybody else. And for that, I never had to want for business. You know, yeah. I had loan officers for companies like Citibank and Wells Fargo and US Bank calling me like, I'm buying a property and you can get better rates than I can get as a loan officer for my own company. So wow. I always really kind of worked for myself. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of interesting too. I sent out letters to all of the clients that I sold echo water treatment systems to, all the clients I sold cars to, all the clients I sold NCI long distance to up until 2000. Yeah. And we had a small tanning salon that I started for my wife. And I sent letters to all of our clients. And I never made a cold call after that. Sent those letters, started earning six figures a year in the lending industry. And then Got headhunted over to sell this one project, and I ended up being in the Lake of the Ozarks in central Missouri. It's like a resort, retirement, second home destination. Yeah. And uh, long and the short of it, I connected with the right people, had a hedge fund, had some buyers, had $80 million in properties under contract as a real estate agent, as my own business. You know, that's when I went yeah. to work for myself. Yeah. And then, of course, that was 07. So, <laughs> I was going to say, we're, we're getting close here. <laughs> we could talk about that later because I know that one of those questions is coming up. So, uh -huh. <laughs> but I, awesome. you know, working for myself wasn't really that hard. Yeah. And uh, when I got back into things again in 2010, there was a pause from 08 to 2010. And I ran some AT&T stores for a client, just enough to make ends meet because I was really yep. in the real estate thing. Yep. And uh, then I ran at a T-Mobile store and then I got brought back into the real estate industry. But anyway... Yeah. 
working for myself really wasn't that hard of a transition because as a commission only salesman, yeah. you really are always just working for yourself anyway. Yeah. And I, I love the story there because it actually, it gives a depiction, not necessarily of working for yourself. Cause like you said, you were already working for yourself. It was more so of maybe you finding the right lane or the place that you just maybe love the most, a place where you felt like you could grow. Um, and I think that's where a lot of business owners are, is that maybe they got started in their trades business or in their real estate business or in their marketing business, whatever. And um, because they had a client or two, and it's just easy because just like salespeople, like, eh, it just makes sense. I, I can do this. But at some point, there's that aha moment of this can be bigger or I can do something more with it. And so that was real estate for you. And so you've put your lending and your real estate, you put all these things together now, which is an incredible part of the story. But I want you to continue with the timeline because it's going to hint at probably the bad decision and the good decision. So let's start with the bad decision. And you can continue your story here. I want to know what you did that the listeners can jot down and stay away from. So 2007, I mean, there's the real estate is cyclical. And what I learned, and I'll just say that I, like many, many other people in the real estate industry, lost everything. Now, the good decision up until that point was all the investors that I helped buy investment properties, I convinced them to put more than the 5% down yeah. that they could get into a loan for. And I'm like, put a little more down. Let me give you a better rate. Let's make this a sweeter deal. Let's make it so this property is always going to be able to pay for itself. So a lot of my clients were able to hold on to all the stuff that I helped them buy. And yeah. that was probably somewhere in the neighborhood of about $200 million in properties at that time. And the bad decision is when I moved down there and I started selling in this very specific market is that when the real estate market collapsed, everything shut down at the lake. Yeah. $5 billion in the ongoing development came to a grinding halt. I lost everything. Yeah. You know, had to sell everything, sell our 42 foot boat, you know, sell the house on the lake, sell my car, sell my motorcycle, but that was okay. You know, it, it, if you get it once you can get it again. Yeah. And what I learned is don't go all in, in one specific thing. Don't rely on one or two or a handful of clients. Right. And that's what's helped me get to the point that I'm at now. I mean. With what we do in lending, I have about $40 million in assets under management. I lend to general partners that are developing land to sell off to national builders, and I'm funding lots for their build for rent program. And they're in Charleston, Charlotte, Southwest Florida, Phoenix. You know, I'm selling to a group that's buying build to rent communities in Kansas City and Northwest Arkansas. And, you know, I'm helping my investment clients, a lot of people that bought properties with me over the years, yeah. I'm now helping them sell them for an amazing amount of money and making money there. So I have multiple streams of income coming in from all that I've worked to build, you know, and, and the key thing is just really, if you're in that kind of industry, keep a really good client contact list, you know, and yeah. if you've taken care of your clients, if you've done right by them, if right. you've made sure that. Even if you had to write a check every now and then that they never lost any money, yep. I honestly believe answer every damn call, email, or text that comes in in the same day. Yep. Nothing gets me more than when I try to reach out to somebody and I don't have a response for two, three, four days. I'm like, yeah. are you kidding me? Am I not important? <laughs> right. So right. to me, that's important to me, right? And it's never been about me. It's been, am I giving the best customer service? Yeah. And am I building something for long-term? I have clients that have been with me for years and they send me referrals. 
and they invest more. And like, what are you doing now? What what's next, Rockstar? You know. So there's just there's so much to talk about. Yeah, that's it's good. (laughs) It's good. You kind of said it. The the one thing. I mean, I guess there's there's two things on the bad decision. It's you went all in. All in one market. In one market, yeah. Because obviously, going all in, like you got to do that as an entrepreneur, but there is some diversification or there's a, a strategy where you can you can have multiple hoses filling up the same pool, which usually fills up the pool a lot faster anyway, in my opinion. But there's a lot of folks that don't have the skill set or also the wherewithal or the the bandwidth, whatever you want to call it, to do multiple things. And so for that person, especially the person who's listening right now, they haven't gotten to the million dollar mark yet. And they're just kind of trying to figure out what's next in their own singular business. Would you say that at least for a period of time that they've got to go all in and and then start looking out, or is it is it now, or like what what would be your thought to that person specifically listening? You know, if you're an entrepreneur and you want to become a a six figure or a seven figure earner, you already are going to have to do what the average person won't. You yeah. know, I think that's really what it boils down to. I have worked, and for thirty plus years now, I've worked. 10, 12, 14, 16 hour days. You know, I have answered stuff clear. I try to make it a rule that I'm done by 1159 so that I didn't work two days in a row. (laughs) But I'm usually up around five in the morning and I'm at my desk around 530. I get so much accomplished between 530 and nine before my phone and email starts blowing up. Really just, it's about spending your time wisely, but you're going to have to work more hours yeah. than the average person. If you want more out of life, you can't, you can't look at it as like, I'm going to work a 40 hour week in my business. You know, you can't look at it as I'm going to figure out how to do this all on my own. You need to get around the right people. You need to get around people that have done it. You need to find masterminds or other groups or, you know, like gather through the Kings, find podcasts, find things on YouTube people that are in your industry and find out how they have created success. People that, that have come from nothing, which, you know, is like me. I have a GED. You can catch me in blue jeans most of the time and a t-shirt. I dressed up for this, right? I put a collar (laughs) shirt on for you. Um, There's so many people out there that you can get around that believe it or not, they want to see you have success and you can get nuggets and bits of information from them and be respectful of their time, obviously. And don't be, you know, overpowering or nagging or just get in there, you know, be respectful and find where you can add value to them. Hey, is there anything I can do for you? I would say, get around masterminds, get around real estate, get around business owners and business groups. You'd be surprised at how many of them might be willing to help you out. Now, granted, don't go into direct competition with someone right there in your local market, right? And you're trying to steal all their shit. Maybe work to find some people that are around the country that, you know, they're a little bit more advantageous. So I got to be careful, you know, he's right here in my market. If I'm too good, then I might lose clients, but anyway, you're going to have to do more. There's books you can read. There's podcasts you can listen to. There's YouTube videos. There's always ways to gather information. Now, it's been a little different for me. You know, it's sales is sales, right? right. And as long as you become the best at what you do and you represent a product that you own yourself, you can be proud of, you would tell your parents and your family members, you know, and you can stand behind, then you just have to learn how to scale. I've been very fortunate, like we had talked a little previously, that you know I haven't made a cold call since 1999. All right. of my business comes from my existing clients 
referrals from my existing clients or a handful of different groups that I sponsor or an advisor or deal flow provider to. One being Apex with Ryan Stuman, one I'm being Insider Investor Club with Jeff Ducharme, Tony Cassay, and Arnie Giske. I sponsor the High Speed Alliance Group, which is a doctor dentist mastermind that just continues to grow. Right. And uh, I sponsored the Million Dollar Mastermind here recently out in Dallas. You know, there's key things. I love getting around other people that are motivated, other successful business owners from all walks of life. Yeah. There's so much I get out of going to these things. Spend a little money on yourself. Do a little investing in yourself and your professional development. And you'll find these nuggets of how you can explode your business. 100%. Get your core business down. And then when the time is right, start bringing the right people in that have the right core values, you know, to duplicate and scale and grow your machine, build your machine. Yeah. The resounding theme, which I so resonate with, but is your ability to create relationships. On the front end, you said the reason why you have all the clients now is because you created relationships up front. We even talked about that in the sales process before we turned the mic on. And it's like, if you just treat people right, treat people genuinely, you're not trying to just like sell somebody, you're creating actual relationships. Then what that does is it snowballs effect, which is what you've basically said over the course of time, even if the scenario is a mastermind group or a networking opportunity or a sponsorship where you're the one being the client, technically, there's still relationships inside of those opportunities that are probably benefiting you long, long term. And so I think that relationships is what I'm hearing you say the ultimate theme is. 100%. Deliver value to your clients. Don't, don't look at it like, okay, I've sold them this. I got to upsell them all these things. Right. How many times have we been approached by that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, dude, you know, just ask more questions than you are talking, right? Find out what your customer's needs are, meet that customer's needs, because that's what it's all about. Any business we have, whether it's sales, direct sales, marketing, services, just meet your customer's needs. Throw a little extra stuff in there every now and then that doesn't really cost you a lot, but looks like a really good value to them. And guess what? They're telling their friends about you. 100%. 100%. And they're telling their family about you. Yep. You know, quit being greedy. I'm going to figure out how to make as much as I can off this client because who knows when my next client will come up, right? Right. Yeah, it's scary. You might as well close your doors now because it's going to come back and bite you. Yeah. You know, it's it, it's so hard to explain that though. A lot of times we start out as entrepreneurs and we're starving or we're Yeah, hungry we're hungry. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's like, and people sense that and they feel that and you may not realize it, but it comes through and that's why you're hearing more no's than you are yeses. It's very important to be, again, building a relationship. Key thing right there, building a relationship, talking to them as if you know them forever. How can I be of service to you? How can I help? You know, what have you seen in the past? Who have you talked to before? You know, one of the things I did in the water treatment industry, I think this is a great story. You probably haven't heard anything like this, or maybe you have, but they gave me the nickname, the callback king in the water treatment industry. And if you know anything okay. about it, I sold for Echo Water, which was like yeah. a culligan, right? Yeah. Door to door, our marketing team would call every new homeowner, offer them some freebie gift to get us in for a water test, right? That's right. So we're giving away a steak knife set, or maybe a, a $40 gift certificate to a restaurant or something like that. So knock on the door, I walk in and I immediately look around to see if there's anything I can associate myself with. Do I see a picture yep. on the wall that was on the wall when I grown up? You know, do they have pictures of Jesus there? Do I need to be respectful of that? Do I see my favorite sports team or maybe my hated sports team? 
right. you know, be respectful yep. of that. That's and right. uh, oh, you like football. Fantastic. You know, but uh, anyway, I would go in and I would do my presentation, ask more questions, get more feedback, make sure I'm, we talked a little about this in the beginning, having an option closed, yeah. lowest priced option, highest price option. Which one of these options makes the most sense for you? Now, I had a 55% closing ratio from the time I walked in the door to two hours later when I walked out. 55% of the people bought for me, and that's really high in the in-home water treatment industry. Sure. The people that didn't buy, I'm like, maybe something in the middle would kind of work for you. But I'd watch the body language. I'd watch the wipe and the high, and you always told me the wife, by the way. <laughs> always. <laughs> yep. the, the guy made a minute final decision, but you sold to the wife. That's right. That's right. And, and I didn't fight them. It's like, well, they just kind of look at each other like, well, you know, we're going to think about it. I'm like, that's great. I appreciate that. This is probably before I ever walked in the door today, you said, no matter how good this guy is, no matter what he offers us, no matter how much we want it, we're going to sleep on this. We got to sleep on this. I'm like, and they're like, yep, that's exactly, that's exactly, you know, or if I saw pictures of Jesus, I'm like, you guys probably wanted to maybe pray on this tonight. And I'm like, I'm okay with that. You know, and they're like, well, will it be the same price tomorrow? And I'm like, yeah, it'd be the same price tomorrow. It'd be the same price next week. I said, but you probably already have appointments with Kinetico, Culligan, and Rainsoft. And they're going to come in and they're going to tell you, you got to buy this now. You don't do it tonight. You don't get this deal. And they're like, we already had two of those this week. And I'm like, eh, I figured that. So they called me the callback. And it's, for, it's funny because the guy that, that brought me down to the Kansas City office, I love him. Greg, Bubba, it's, Bubba is my buddy. You know, I've known him for years now. And uh, he brings me down to Kansas City market and I run the first couple appointments and they don't buy. And I come back and say, that's right. They'll buy, they'll probably buy next week. He goes, Brandon, <laughs> thought you were like one of the number one guys in the country. You are. And he goes, right. They're like, you don't get callbacks. And like, just hang tight. Just wait. Next <laughs> week, they call back and he was just floored. And I'm like, it's because I built a relationship. I didn't push yeah. anybody. I found out what their needs were. I found out what they had run into already. I found out that they had a very real concern. They wanted to sleep on it. They wanted to pray on it. That's okay. I yeah. made everything make sense. And yeah. people would buy. So just remember that as you build your business, you may not get the deal right then and there. But if you did a great job, you were honest, you were ethical, you weren't pushy. You offered value. You got all the, you know, the nods and the yeses along the way. Yeah. And you give them that opportunity. And one thing I would always say is, when can I follow up with you? You know, do you want me to call back tomorrow or just a couple of days? And, and then I would jot that down. I'd get home. I'd do two appointments a night. I'd get home and I'd write notes what the names of the kids were, you know, what I saw in the house, what kind of car did they drive? I took all these little notes. And mm -hmm. I used to tell everybody I had a photographic memory, which I did until it got too full. It's companies, <laughs> a billion dollars in transactions, and yeah. just the real estate industry. My yeah. core assistants it's and my full. team now, they're like, we already told you this. I'm like, I know. Just barely. Yep. Right yep. now. <laughs> the, file, the file cabinet is busting. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I need a data dump and a clear cash, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Well, I appreciate your perspective there. Obviously, sales is the heartbeat of every business. It is what the business associates to. It's why the business even exists. And so- I appreciate your perspective. Also, too, just the human perspective of what it means to actually bring in relationships to business, because it doesn't necessarily always mean that something happens today. It's the old seed has been planted, but 
the seed doesn't, you know, grow on its own after the fact, the follow-up tools, the notes, the, right. you know, even as business owners, if we're not the actual person making the sales or doing the sales calls, if we have a sales team, even there's still a level of, of a mindset that the ownership should carry when it comes to what it means to build relationships. And so it might look different. It might be, it might be something like this where we're just creating relationship in a unique environment. And maybe we do a deal together. Maybe there's something that we collaborate on, but we don't know. And those are the opportunities that even at the ownership level, like you've got to, you've got to keep relationships at the forefront. Hey, Kings and Queens, Chaz Wolf. I want to talk to you about something that's super important to me. We put a lot of time and effort, we meaning myself and my team, into this podcast, into the content that goes out every single day. And if you have been getting any sort of value or insight from this, we want it to be able to reach other business owners too. So we would love if you would like, comment, share, leave a review, post, share again, <laughs> all of the things on social media, on all the different platforms or even on the podcast mediums of Apple and Spotify. We would love to be able to get our content into more hands, more entrepreneurs, so they can grow their business as quick as possible. Together, we are building a community of like-minded entrepreneurs who are committed to growing their businesses to new heights. So let's do this. Let's help each other. Let's help each other grow at the forefront. So I love that. What process do you have now around making decisions. You've got history, you've got, you know, like you said, just tons of transaction volume. What do you do around like a discipline or a process to put decisions through? That's kind of a tough question. You know, I took one of those tests a long time ago when I was in the water treatment industry. So I mean, like the long two hour test, you answer all these psychological questions and the results came back and I got pulled into the office with the, the people that gave the test and they're like, so did you just know exactly what we wanted to hear for all these <laughs> questions? And I got labeled an unconscious competent. If you've ever heard that term before. I haven't. Please. Everything elaborate. kind of comes natural to me. I think it's been a, a combination of, I, I got moved around a lot as a kid. You know, I had my parents divorced me at 13. We'd already had multiple moves prior to that. And then divorcing parents. And then my mom married an Air Force guy and then she married another Air Force guy. And then I went to Navy and I've, I've lived in 15 states now, three yeah. times as many cities. And you just have to learn to think on your feet, right. you know, because you're getting moved around all the time. And I think it's what really helped me excel in, in sales because I can learn to make friends over and over and over again. It's not like growing up and right. going to the same school from kindergarten to 12th grade. You just have the same little click of friends. Those yep. are also the people to me that listen to the same era of music for the rest of their life that they listened to in high school, you know, and they go to the same places they've gone to since they were a kid. I think getting out and living in all these different places and doing all these different things just kind of created internally processes that had to happen. And, right. you know, it, I get up at the beginning of the day and like I said, I read on state of the nation, real estate, you know, builder online. I, I know what's going on in my industry on any given time and you know because i'm in multiple markets and then i hit a task list i'm going to tell you this process you guys are probably going to freaking laugh at me but uh, and i have so many people that make fun of me but here you said it to podcasts and won't be visual but yeah this is my process i have a notepad and i write out all my pressing tasks and then i have another sheet that's my weekly goals and then yeah. i have you know monthly goals and quarterly goals and I go through that list every day and I look at that first thing in the morning. Okay, what can I knock out on this task list today? 
Yeah. And that's kind of my goal. I'm like, this is pressing, this is pressing. And not only do I have to answer about 500 to 1,000 emails, calls, texts, Facebook messages, LinkedIn messages, WhatsApp messages, and Lord, can there be any other ways to reach <laughs> us these days, right? Yep. I, yeah, you, did, you didn't mention gonna, Slack. You didn't mention Slack. You know, <laughs> I don't have it. And please don't tell me what the hell it is. And don't tell anybody else to call me there. So, <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm a notepad guy because yeah. I write it down. I'm saying it in my head when I write it. I'm writing it out. I'm seeing it. And it becomes something I'm seeing on over and over and over again. And people are yeah. like, how do you do it? You know, yeah. do you use apps? Do you use this? I'm like, no, I still use a notepad. Right. Now, I have started using Google Calendar, you know, to alert me on things that I have to do. But yep, it's on my task list. And you know what's yep. great? At the end of the day, I've got to cross off a bunch of those. You know what I do? Hand write every task that did not get done Yep. on the next page. And I never, I have a pretty much college rule line. There's about 30, 32 lines on here. I try not to let it get past 30 tasks. And then I'll add anything new that needs to be done. Yeah. I also manage my business from my email. If it's in my inbox, it has to be taken care of. I'll respond to somebody in an email. If I know that I've responded, there's nothing else I can do. Now it's in their hand. I'll respond and I will delete that email. Or I'll stick it over in a folder, right? Sure. I know I did my job. And right. anything that is still in there means it still needs my attention. Right. And I try to never let my email page get longer than 25 inboxes. Yeah. Which is why I work a lot of hours. Now, as we grow and I've hired on one of my, my sister-in-law, I just recently hired my other sister-in-law. I love these guys. They're awesome. Oh my yeah. God. I'm so fortunate to have good family. My yeah. son, that's a singer songwriter that we talked about, said, yeah, I don't want to come work for the company. I'm like, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, buddy. And he's just like me. Personality, character, greatest sales. I'm awesome. very excited to have my son join the company as well. My youngest. Yeah. Four. He's 26, by the way. But I manage my business and my process. For me, it's just about lead management, taking care of my clients, yep. and responding to requests. So for me, that's what works. Notepad paper. I have my goals. Yeah. I've seen them every day. I'm checking the goals at the end of the week. And if it didn't get done, it gets moved to the next week, right? Yep. So I never let a goal, task, email, text, voicemail, any kind of communication, any kind of request, any kind of thing go unhandled yep. in the same week, period. A lot of people yeah. are going to go, man, that sounds tedious, but I'm going to tell you what, it works. Yeah. It works for me. Yeah, you, you've you've just got this uh, this bulletproof process to where you're checking the boxes every day and probably in the same order and probably in the same time frame, so more routine now than anything. But you know, you started that off by saying that people might laugh, and and it's funny because you've described your process. I think that a lot of ultra successful people follow a very similar process. I think that if if I had to compare mine to yours, we would be off by five degrees. Like, you know, everything that you just said. But we're talking the same human mind is happening at the same time. In fact, I was just having this conversation with my wife last night. I want to tell you about this because look, here's my, I, I write down everything right here. I got my notebook. I got all this technology around me, multiple screens. I got a TV across the deal is projecting all kinds of stuff, but I write everything. And I was telling her last night, it's funny. I got my pen, got my Mont Blanc, you know, and I'm over here and I write like, even the stuff that doesn't need to be written down. I just write it yeah. because the way that you said, my brain associates, not only did I say it, but I thought it, but then I wrote it. And then I probably said it out loud again because we're talking about it. 
And I can't tell you how many times I've gone back and, you know, like we were talking again and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I talked to Brandon, you know, let me, let me go back here. Oh yeah, right here. Here it is. And it's chicken scratch, <laughs> Yeah, but it's the summation of what we talked about. And there's been several times where I've needed to have that information. So I tell you all that because we're the same person. And yesterday nice. I ordered the product called Remarkable. Have you heard of this? I have. Isn't it, it like is, digital? It's the thinnest. It's the thinnest tablet out there, and it's supposed to feel and even sound like writing like on paper. paper with a pen. Yes. But so, you only have one screen. What do you? Well, yeah, yeah. So it's just it's just so, right there, and then you can turn the page. So you can turn the page. Flip, you're gonna put through your screen. Okay. And bro, I haven't gotten one, so I'm right? not like a I'm not a promoter. <laughs> I'm not getting paid for this. But for me, I like I love saving that stuff, like we talked about. So it, it writes it down, and then it'll translate it into a typed out form, and then you can email it right there. And my post-it note, remarkable. Look it up. Remarkable. Jazz, look it up. Jazz spell. Okay. It, and, uh, it might, it might be the best 500 bucks. Right? Yes. Re no, remarkable with a capital M. Okay. All right. But anyway, neither here nor there. The listener, you know, I'm not sure if you're a, a paper person or not, but I'll tell you what, everything that he just described, the process, that, that's all kind of for fun. It, that may or may not be the best $500 you've spent. I don't know. I haven't gotten mine in yet. But the reality of it is this, is that the process that Brandon just described, we call it the rock star process. Everything that he's doing, it's it's moving the ball forward every single day. It's discipline. Everything that he just said, broken down is discipline. I'm going to choose to do the hard things. And then one of these days, you're going to get an assistant who's going to do those emails for you. <laughs> a lot of us entrepreneurs are we're a little bit of a control freak. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you hate to let anything move outside of your system when it comes to just that core thing, right? hundred percent. I've had it happen where I've been told, Brandon, you can't do all this. Yeah. Let us take some of this load. And man, has it blown up in my face every yep. single time. Nobody takes care of my clients as well as I do. Now I'm very, very fortunate. Yep. I have hired, you know, my wife's sister. Sure. She has no cares. She just turned 50. She was a professional ballet dancer for years and they started wow. a ballet studio. She was also an accountant for Paymark. Super and detailed. So, oh my God. And a perfectionist, right? And yeah. she works the hours I do. I don't ask her to. Right. But it's it's not uncommon to see her 12, 14 hours at the desk. And I'm like, you need an assistant. And I've been on her for a couple of years now. And then finally I'm like, okay, you won't let me hire anybody for you. I said, who could you work with? And my wife said, well, what about my other sister? What said? about the other? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I told Missy, I'm like, that's hey, awesome. Did you work with Cindy? She goes, I could work with Cindy. I'm like, yeah. So here we go. We've just brought on another family member recently. Love it. And uh, you know, you got to invest in your employees and your staff as well. Don't just consider them a cog in the wheel, you know, make sure you're taking time to make them feel important. Make sure you're taking time to give them the tools they need to be successful with you. Let them know what your core values are. You know, I think that's really important. So many people just uh, run ads and hire and Yep. This guy looks like he'll work. This girl looks like she'll work. And you're like, here's what it is. And, and you just don't invest the time with them to make sure that they fully grasp it. Everybody comes in yeah. like, I need a job bad. And they get the job. And then they're like, oh my God, there's no training. You know, right. I have no idea yep. what to do. So as a business owner, make sure that you're not letting that slide. And if you yeah. need to hire somebody that's good at it, yeah. there's... Good Lord, there's so much information in our A lot, lot of options out there. <laughs> there really are. And 
if you're not utilizing it, well, then that's yeah. your own damn fault. But you know what? Yeah. 95% of our population in this world will never be successful. Yeah. They'll never own and operate a business that sustains or last over, you know, one year, two years, five years. They'll end up broke, retired on government, friends and family, social security. They'll be collecting a social security check and working at Walmart as a greeter or stocking shelves. Or how many times have you gone to a fast food joint? Right. It's also there. It's like 75 years old. Yeah. I feel sorry for that. But you know what? At the same time, I'm going to say this, and that could upset some people. I don't know. But I'm grateful that most people are not like us. Because oh, yeah. if, they, if everybody was, we'd have way too much competition. And we wouldn't have this opportunity to have this kind yeah. of success. So if you're on this podcast and you're listening, you are likely one of those top 5%. Now, maybe you're in the top 10 and you're trying to get to the top five. Well, guess what it's going to take? It's going to take doing something different than you're doing now. Yeah. It starts by listening to a podcast like this, listening to guys like me that come from nothing, you know, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm not that kind of guy, but if I grew up poor. Yeah. You know, if, if I only had, my mom told us we only had four squares of toilet paper to wipe our, our ass. Yeah. Trust me, we were poor. We caught rainwater. <laughs> system. We didn't have air conditioning in the house. We heated our ass with a wood right. stove in the middle of it. Yep. And then I have a GEV and I got all over the country. As, you know, I have a couple of drug addict brothers. My parents, my dad drank alcohol, but he was never really an alcoholic. We never had that. I had good parents, good blue collar, hardworking parents, but they never strove yeah. for any kind of success. Yeah. It was just like, yeah. they checked a paycheck. Let's just work for somebody. And, but I can do it. Anybody can do this. And, yeah. and I, I'm not trying to make that sound, you know, there's a word. I, I can't find it. Cause that's what happens when you have 54, you start losing some of your work, <laughs> but seriously, that's, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Just be genuine. Yeah. And, Put in the work. I don't work five-hour days. Right. I don't take a lot of vacations, a lot of time off. I work 10-hour days, 12-hour days, 14-hour days. I spend time with my family. You know, we have a pool right right outside my door here. And my wife comes down during the summer, and she's in her swimsuit. She goes, can you come hang out for the pool for a little while? And I'm like, sounds great, babe. <laughs> I, I go out there for an hour or two a day. But, you know, I was up at five working. That's so right. to That's go right. out there around noon for a couple hours with my wife, that gives her some time. And then I, tr I try to be done at six. And that's when she's cooking dinner. And I shut everything off down here and I go upstairs and I have dinner. So that's, a, that's yeah. always about a 12 or 13 hour day, right? Yeah. And uh, of course, you and I were probably both in bed. The phone went off and you're like, hold on. Remember? You know, <laughs> I just got to respond because I'm still awake. I'll let them know. Uh -huh. I'll tomorrow. So uh, that's <laughs> awesome. Well, I've got, some, I've got some speed round questions for you here, Rockstar. I want to sure. know a couple things. One more mechanical than others. I want to know what book that you'd recommend. You've obviously full of knowledge. What book would you recommend for a six-figure owner? Okay. So I don't make as much time to read, but I do like listening to audio. Okay. Yeah, uh, that's great. I'll, that's tell great. You two, I'll tell you the two books that changed the trajectory of my path in the Navy. They Can Grow Rich. Everybody's heard of that one. Everybody. And Awaken the Giant Within by Tony Robbins. Phenomenal. That changed the direction of my life forever. Now, I know one book. I can't say one book, but I have several friends in my network that are all authors. Oh, I love uh, it. Exit Lever by Jeff Ducharme and Jethro Hopkins, how to build your business to yeah. be a sellable business. 
one of my general partners, the Busy Professionals Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing, Dr. Vanessa Peters. If you want to learn how to set something up to create passive income, yep. fantastic. Align Your Empire by Berkeley P. Hughes. Excellent book. Very, very smart guy. This one, excuse the language, Your Excuses by Ryan Stuman. Yep. Um, and his CEO and COO, Thomas Keenan, wrote Unfuck Your Business. Excellent books. Now, yeah. Building an Elite Organization by Don Winner. He's founded DLP Capital, a multi-billion dollar hedge fund that we work with. And then one other one is Read Me or Stay Broke by Mark Jackson II. I know every one of those guys personally. I'm around those guys. Sorry, I know it was a speed round. It was one book, but... That's all right, dude. Capture that and you guys go read those books. You will love yeah, it. Yeah, and, and we'll <laughs> list them all in the show notes below. So thank you for that. Was, I mean, it's an incredible list. And then and then to have the the little blurb to go along with, that's incredible. So I got I got one last question here for you. Sure. And you've kind of already answered it a little bit, but I want to know if you lost it all right now, today, it's all gone. What do you do? Well, when you come from nothing, you, you learn how to be resourceful, you know, you learn how to be frugal. And the good thing is I would just rely on my relationships. I may not be in this industry, but I have pick up the pieces, start all over again. My relationship capital is worth more than any bank account. And I now know more than I did when I started. All I would have to do is reach out to my network and any one of these people that I've offered values and services to for years would gladly take me in and I'd start all over again. You know, I, it's kind of hard to say if you lost it all now, because now a lot of the stuff I own, I paid cash for. Sure. I've got what I call a Patriot closet right across from my desk here. I think you can figure out what's inside that closet. I can sell any of that for what I paid for it or more. I have our entire house upstairs is antique furniture from the 17 and 1800s and collectibles. Love that have all just continued to go up in value. So if I lost it all, lost the business, lost the clients, lost everything, I would be able to sell off all the assets that I've amassed that I don't owe anything on, yeah. which would give me the stability to go and start over again. Now, I, a lot of people do go for, we want to work to pay off your house, but I recommend you never pay off your house, to be honest with you. You keep that thing up the hill. One, you get tax deduction. Right. Two... Mortgage company doesn't want it back if it's leveraged to the hill, right? Right. And you're probably, you probably, if you borrowed at the right time or you refinanced at any time in the past, you're sitting somewhere around a two or three or 4% interest rate. Good Lord, that's better than inflation and that's free money. But uh, yeah, keep that thing leveraged to the hill. They don't want it back and just make sure you find a way to make that pay and which we would be able to do. But lost yeah. it all, I'd reach no, out to don't. my network and Love I, it. I would be right back on my feet again. Here's the thing that's important about that. You can't let it destroy you. Yeah. It's just stuff. Yeah. Do you have your help? Do you have your family? Uh, you know. Yeah, because because eight, 10 years ago you? when you were selling your Harley and your other stuff, right? You weren't thinking about necessarily where you are today sitting at the pool by your with your wife, you know, like, but you kept going to your point. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I went to work for one of my investors owned eight AT&T stores in the Kansas City market. And I'm like, I need, I need work. He's like, great. Yeah. You can run my sword. It didn't make me anywhere near the money I was used to making, but it paid for the bills. Yeah. It allowed us to get a rental. It allowed us to get a car and it allowed us to pay the bills. And my wife had to go to work at that time. Unfortunately, she doesn't have to work now, but my wife also has, you know, 
health issues, you know, nothing major, but just things that sometimes keep her down. You know, it's real hard for her to, to, to get up and she gets like chronic migraines and things like that, mm-hmm. but, uh, which a lot of women do. It sucks. Sucks for women. Women have so many more health issues than us men do. I, I feel so bad for them actually. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you just pick up the pieces and start over. You just can't let it destroy you. You yeah. got to keep your mind intact and, and you may need some positive reinforcement and you might need to reach out to your brothers, you know, and your clan and your tribe and your network yeah. and start getting that motivation again. But it happens, right? And That's right. you can either be the victim or the victor and just choose to be the victor. Love it. You can get it all back again. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, we're going to have to coin that for you. We'll coach you being the victor, but dude, you've been, you've been incredible. How, how can someone reach out to you? They've, they've resonated with you. They want to connect with you. How can they find you? Easiest way is just go straight to my email, Brandon at rockstarcapitalfund.com. Our website is rockstarcapitalfund.com. Please go there. Read your team and the bios, see some of the people that are in my corner, our general partners and my strategic partners. Mm-hmm. Please read the testimonials, you know, I, and it'll give you a good snapshot and idea of who we are and what we do. And uh, my personal cell phone number is 913-827-3517. I will tell you, I will not answer your number if I don't have you in my contact list. So if I don't recognize the number, I'm not answering it. You can leave a voicemail. But if you email me and say, hey, this is Joe Durr, (laughs) (laughs) and you leave me your cell phone number, I'm going to immediately put your email and your phone number in my contact list. So when you call me, I'll answer. If I don't answer, I'll probably shoot you a message. Hey, I'll call you right back. And that's just how I end. So reach out to me by email, go on our website, you know, check out who we are, the investment opportunities that we have. I can help investors with as little as $10,000. And I can help investors that up to any amount. I can tell you that, you know, we're talking about me in the business, but last year I delivered a 16 and a half percent return to my investors in my fund, in fund one. They didn't lose any of their principal value. They're going to earn that much or more this year. The way I've structured what I do is to deliver returns to my investors in the mid to upper teens every single year. We're a bank, we're a lending fund. You get to be the bank and be my partner. Yeah. I guess what we deal in dirt. I mean, we lend to my development partners and my build direct partners, but we're in and out at land. Right. We're not horizontal infrastructure. We're not vertical construction. We don't have to worry about all that crap. We're in and out at dirt, in and out at land. It's like it simplifies everything. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yep. Straight from the creator. So, yeah. Rockstar, this has been incredible. You've been invaluable to, to not only just the listeners, but just from a relationship building tool for, for anybody who's going to hear this. And so thank you again for your time. I know how valuable it is. I appreciate it personally myself, and we wish you absolutely nothing but success in all that you do. You have a pleasure to be on your podcast. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries, and now interviewing over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together one 
thousand kings, specifically who are grateful, but not done. We're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family, and communities. And here's what we believe, that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.